welcome to another edition of Wrestling With Tomorrow. I am your host, Mike Kinney. So happy to be here with you. We're winding down. We're winding down the summer at this point. It's hard to believe that the summer is passing us by so quickly, but all good things must come to an end. Right around the corner, we've got uh, back-to-school shopping, which uh, for, for anybody with kids, you know uh, exactly what a what a real treat that can be for anyone involved. So <clears throat> good times to be had there. A couple of other things, though, like let's not gloss over the fact that football season is is almost here. I love football very much. Go Minnesota Vikings and go Iowa Hawkeyes. Those are my teams. I don't want to hear any ifs, ands, or buts about it. Those are the only two teams that matter. Okay? The end. Also, Halloween is vastly approaching. And in my house, Halloween is not a holiday. It's a season. We begin <laughs> celebrating Halloween really in August. As soon as you start seeing pumpkin spice everything, that's when I get really excited about fall. That crisp, cool air starts to come in. And oh, nothing better. Nothing better than a fall afternoon watching football and sipping on a pumpkin spice latte. I'm just going to say it. There's nothing wrong with it. All right. If you've been following me on social media at all, and I really, really hope that you are, you've noticed that uh, I just finished up a play. Yes, I had to shave my head and my precious beard. I had to shave that off as well to portray the role as Uncle Fester in a, uh, in a local production of The Adams Family. Now, let me go out and, and just first of all tell you, I say local production, and so I, I, I live in Stillwater, Minnesota, and it's a it was a Stillwater Community Theater production of The Adams Family. I walked into the, the auditions thinking that it was going to be just that, just a fun, simple community theater place where I could just go and, and have a great time. Let me tell you, I learned something very, very quickly. I was I felt a little bit over my head. And the reason is, is because, first of all, I had nothing but an amazing experience with this cast and crew. I'm totally top-notch all the way. What I didn't expect was the level of talent that was going to be involved in this production. Holy cow. And I'm talking everybody. From stage production to um, building the sets to the ensemble, everyone was, was just on top of their game, which... I ended up loving because it it elevated me to do even better. I loved the character of Uncle Fester. I've always been, I mean, I'm a, a massive Adams Family fan, which is why I went and auditioned for this to begin with. I haven't done I haven't done a play in over 20 years. I I did some of it in college and, and a little bit for fun back in the day, but you know, I, I put it aside. I was wrestling and then I, you know, became a dad and you know, life happened. I never went back to community theater. So it was my it was my return to the stage for the first time in 20 years and what what an experience. If any of you that that either saw the play or were in it with me or listening to this right now, thank you so much for the opportunity to to perform with you or in front of you. I'm I was just completely humbled. I had, you know, I think we did seven or eight productions of it. So seven or eight nights that we actually performed. We did five or six weeks of rehearsal. So it was a is a short process, I guess, for, for what we were doing. But I had either friends or family come to every single night of the production. I had friends I haven't seen in ages just show up and not tell me and to surprise me. I mean, I'm just floored by the support that I got. And I'm just, I'm humbled by the, the whole experience. It was just amazing. 
So if you came out of your way to come and see me, I had family fly in just to come and see the play. My mom, who lives in southern Missouri, drove up to just come and see me perform. She hasn't seen me perform since I was a boy. And um, so it was it was a great experience. And um, again, the Adams family. Uh, go check out some pictures on social media, though. The only thing I, I have to worry about now is quickly growing back my beard. I miss my beard. So I am not shaving anymore. <laughs> it, is, it is going to come back. It is going to be ready for fall. And um, yeah, it'll be fine. It was a lot of fun. Glad I did it. All right. Well, I, uh, I've also been doing some speaking engagements recently. I had the, uh, the privilege of speaking for the Osseo School District, um, Osseo, Minnesota, last week. And I spoke to some, um, these are students in middle school taking summer writing classes. And a friend of mine is the teacher and he said, man, you need to come in here and, and really explain to them the most effective way to tell short stories. And based on everything that I did with my TED Talk, it was, it was really just going in and, and showing them how I built the TED Talk. And you can really use that as the platform to build short stories. So I got to do that last, uh, last week. I have another one coming up this week, so I'm excited. That'll be two speaking engagements uh, for the same school district, and I'm looking to branch out this next school year. So if you're in education or you're in a business or anything like that and you're looking for a speaker, please reach out to me. Uh, we can work something out. I can customize whatever you need. Um, you can you can reach me at support at a pro wrestler's di- uh, Sorry, let's. I, I should know my own email address. It's support at a pro wrestler's <laughs> support at a pro wrestlers guide.com. There you go. Say that 10, 10 times fast. Uh, all right. What else do we have on the list today? Oh, you know, we can't forget to talk about this. My book is coming out. So as you're listening to this, this is, this is going live on July 29th, 2022. My book is being published on August 10th, 2022. Now, if you're listening to this in advance of August 10th, let me just say, when that book launches, the Kindle version will be free for a few days. Please, 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 even if you do not have a Kindle, download it when it launches. It helps me with my Amazon ranking numbers, and I'm really trying to make this be a bestseller. Now, the paperback version will also be available. So you can buy the paperback version if you want. It'll be $11.99. Or you can double dip and you can download the Kindle version for free and buy the book, whatever you want to do. Any support at this point would be appreciated. I'm just so excited to finally get the book out there. I have the proof copy in my hands right now. I cannot tell you what this feels like. It's it's almost surreal. All of the I just all of the hard work and um, sweat equity that I've put into this book. It's finally happening and. You know, I'm self-publishing, which, by the way, isn't that uncommon these days here in 2022. It's actually more common than not, to be honest with you. And I'm just so proud of it. I, I, I wrote a book, and it is it is available, or at least very soon will be available. And I'm just thrilled to finally get it out there. This also means that uh, at some point, I'm going to have to start book number two. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Before I do, also launching, um, I did this intentionally, to be honest with you. I have a new Cowboy Gator McGraw t-shirt coming to life. If you're listening to this now, it's already up on my Pro Wrestling Tees 
um, web, um, store. So it's prowrestlingtees.com forward slash Gator McGraw. It's already on there. So consider this the soft launch of that shirt. But there's an artist that I saw out on Instagram, and he does a lot of really, really great artwork for um, is independent wrestlers. And just he's, I, I, there's something about his artwork that I was just drawn to. And I had to have, uh, I had to have him do up a, a Gator McGraw shirt. His Instagram handle is El Hio del Chipo Grasso. Yes, that is a mouthful, ladies and gentlemen. E L H I J O D D E L C H E A P O G R O S S O. Long story short, if you have Instagram on August 10th, this shirt will also be, you know, doing the the hard launch. I will tag him on there so you can go follow him and check out some of his other work. But it's a uh, what's the best way to put it? It's a Rob Zombie inspired Cowboy Gator McGraw shirt. And um, why Rob Zombie? Well, because he's my favorite musician. So I, I can do what I want. So there. But it's an awesome shirt. It's available in black. And um, yeah, it's got a, a picture of the cowboy himself biting on a bull rope and flames in the background. And it's really cool. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Book number two. Uh, let's talk about book number two really quickly. One of the benefits of me being able to do this podcast is as I'm interviewing guests, I'm also using it as research for the next book. The next book is going to be focused around redreaming. I don't even know what the book is going to be called. Maybe it'll be called redreaming. I don't know. But it's really talking about what we're talking about on this podcast is that the gap between doing something that you want to do and then having to pivot quickly to something else. So that pivoting quickly piece, and I keep saying the word pivot, but to be honest with you, I'm not crazy about that word. I just lack of other words at this point. But that <clears throat> pivot piece is what that book is going to cover because I don't think that that's something that's really covered out there. We we always get told we can be whatever we want to be until we can't, and then we have to figure out what the rest of our life is going to look like. So that's the piece I want to cover. And that is the piece that we are covering on this podcast when I interview these guests. Which brings me to my guest today. Now, I met my guest today. His name is Matt Sentner. All right. Now, Matt is a very, very unique personality. I met him about a year ago. He and I worked together um, up until very recently. And there's something about him that just like drew me to him. You'll see, see or hear exactly what I'm talking about as soon as he starts telling his story. But it's really hard to put my finger on. And I'm a very, very good judge of character. I think that's one of the reasons I've survived this long, to be honest with you. Uh, but he's just got this this thing. He's got the it factor that, that you can't quite replicate. Um, I think I, I start calling it swagger early on in our conversation here in a moment. Um, but that's it. It's, that swagger piece is something you can't teach. It's just this intangible that you have or you don't have. He's such a great person. I had to have him on the show. He has a great story. He used to be a, um, for, well, for lack of better terms, I guess, a, a traveling actor. He did a lot of uh, musical theater, traveled the country, traveled the, the globe, to be honest. Um, did a, a really long stint on cruise ships as a performer. Just has a really amazing story that eventually in his life, he also had to pivot and, and, and go on to something else. And that is why I asked him to be a guest on this show. So here it is, my interview with Matt Sentner. 
Matt Sentner, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey, first of all, thank you for indulging me in this. We, I know that you and I have gone back and forth and tried to find a time that really fit for both of us to make this happen. But uh, I appreciate you uh, you joining me today on episode oh, three. My, yeah, it's my pleasure. This is fun to be on. I'm 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 honored to to be part of this. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Matt and I worked together for uh, almost a year. You and I met uh, almost a year ago to the day. And um, he and I did a, a very similar job together. And the moment I met you, I thought, this guy has got some swagger, right? He's got, he's got something going on. Through our interactions together, I started to uncover this amazing background that you have. And I was always just so intrigued by it. Which is what led us here today is I thought I have to get you as a guest on this show because it's, uh, it's such a unique background and you undoubtedly uh, lived a, a very unique dream and had to pivot along the way. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. So again, as you navigate your dream and uh, we, we, we start talking about having diverse backgrounds, I couldn't have picked a better guest for episode three. Oh, shucks. Well, it's funny because when, when I, I did watch your other podcasts and you said, you know, we talked about doing this and I thought, huh, you know, I have, I, I know less than uh, nothing about wrestling. Uh, I, but, uh, and I thought, well, how am I going to relate? But our, our paths are not that on, on, uh, uh, are, are similar is what I'm trying to say. They're not yeah. uh, very, very similar. Yeah. So, well, so that's, yeah, that, that's really the beauty of it is, is it, yeah. This really has n not a lot to do with wrestling. Um, yeah, I'm going to have a couple of pro wrestling guests on here, but really the crux of it is is just thinking about, you know, and I was talking to some students recently. I went and spoke at a school earlier uh, this week, and I was talking to them about, you know, it's you get told your entire life that you can be whatever you want to be, but eventually you have to pivot. You, you can be whatever you want to be until you can't. So what happens in that moment? How do you how do you cope with that? And that's the piece out there in the world that's that's missing. Nobody really teaches anybody else how to do that. So I was hoping yeah. by having some guests on here, it would at least lend to that element. And if somebody's listening to this along the way and then they find themselves in a position where they're having to make some adjustments in life, they're gonna think back like, ah, I remember. I remember how to how these other people did it and they they turned out just fine. And so sure. Um, it's a really, really big deal. So again, thank you for coming and joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive right in. I, I want to talk about uh, where are you from and uh, where did you grow up? Uh, born in Milwaukee, moved from there uh, when I was going to start kindergarten, moved way up north to um, do a little, little small town in central Wisconsin called Antigo. And um not exactly the cultural epicenter of of the United States, or certainly of Wisconsin. But uh, we, I was always involved in music. My parents were involved in music, and we were always singing in our house. Had music going all the time, and and I really took an interest to that. And um, you know, I was never I was pretty small and skinny, and not a great athlete. But singing was always something, and music was always something that I excelled at, I, maybe more than others. And so that was a path that uh, that I knew I kind of wanted to wanted to continue and 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 pursue. Uh, my my brother was a piano player, still is. He was very good, and uh, but playing piano constantly around our house it drove me absolutely crazy. So I I had more of a rhythm uh, 
background, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, I decided I wanted to take up the drums. And so I did that and started playing drums instead. But, um, but yeah, went on to, to continue, continue working in music and studying in music pretty much my whole high school career. And, and then it took me on to college. Uh, were you doing any kind of theater or anything like that through high school? Were you doing any acting whatsoever? I did. I mean, I got bit with the acting bug early. I went to see a couple of high school productions that I was just so enamored with these these uh, these people getting up on stage and singing and dancing. And I thought, oh, that's what I want to do. But you weren't allowed to get involved with the high school productions until uh, you were a freshman in high school. And so I, I did. I auditioned and, and got in. And, uh, and that was, that was it. That was a pretty powerful bug that I got bit by there. And I just wanted to continue that on. Um, and, and seeing a lot of the, um, other students that were, that had gone before me that had, had moved on to study acting and gone to study musical theater and such, I thought, well, gosh, I never thought that was really a path I could even do um, to, to pursue a performing career. I didn't even know that was a thing really. Um, and certainly wasn't encouraged in my town, uh, I guess I could say, uh, certainly not by my guidance counselors anyway, but, but, um, yeah, I, you know, it was, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, it was something that I, I, I wasn't great at anything else that this was something that I, I was good at. I was a good student, not a great student. I, I certainly couldn't pay attention very long. And so, um, reading or any kind of academic uh, coursework or job in the future was going to be very difficult for me um, to if I had to do a lot of studying. I'm more hands-on kind of a person, and, and the creative part of part of, uh, of of work. So that's where performing seemed to check a lot of the boxes for me. It's it's also interesting, you know. Would you consider Antigo like a blue collar town, or what kind of what, what kind of town are we talking about here? Yeah, it is. It is. It's um. It's a lot of. It's a big farming community around there. A lot of dairy farms, a lot of potato farms, corn, that kind of thing. Um, small town. It's a great little town. I mean, we. I had a great time. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't change anything. I had a great time. I still have multiple close friends from there, um, but it certainly wasn't. Uh, it was. It was a struggle. Um, the musicals and, and different plays and things that would people would put on in town were received well. Um, people enjoyed it, and there certainly was a a, a market for it. Um, but it was just very few and far between. There were very few opportunities to really um, to perform and, and to and to grow within our town. I, I feel anyway. sure that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Actually, I think about me having grown up in a farming community and yeah. choosing to do a, a profession that's outside the norm isn't um i wouldn't say that like for for me for example it wasn't necessarily frowned upon it was just it was it was like looked over because it was it was so far outside the norm that people are like yeah whatever dude you're, you're sure never going to be a wrestler just figure that out it's it just it's it takes a different kind of person to be able to to sort through all of that and and still continue on to chase whatever it is you're chasing. So that's well, and what you did, I think is even certain. Well, I think more of a niche, even more. I mean, so you had a very specific thing and, and a very pinpoint pointed focus dream on what you wanted to do and, and to come from where you came from and to pursue it and get as far as you did, I think is astounding. I think that's amazing. I mean, I think that, you know, 
I could I could continue acting if I wanted to and and still be doing that. Um, you know, even at my age now, I still could be doing it. But uh, we'll get into why I changed switch gears <laughs> later anyway. Yes, we will. So leaving high school, you go to college. And um, what did you major in in college? I, I majored in musical theater. Okay. So I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater. And it's it's pretty intensive. I mean, one of the things that I learned early on, if I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pursue this career um, that I was, I was taught very early is you have to be uh, what they call a triple threat. You have to be able to sing, dance, and act. And so it was a very, very intensive program that uh, that they offered i went to stevens point university and it was fantastic i mean from the the all the professors that i had and the my dance teachers and my acting teachers and my voice teachers were just astounding they were such a talented group of people and had such passion and i loved it and so it was it was intense and and you could see that you know, going to auditions and starting to to get into the get into the professional realm and and perform, you could see that the the ones that could really do it all absolutely stood out. You know, if you you might be a fantastic singer, but if you can't dance at all, or you can't even move really well, um, you're going to be pretty limited in your in your performance opportunities. And certainly, as an actor, I mean, if you you've got to be able to. I mean, gosh, you're, if you're only going to be able to do a play or you're only going to be able to do more dramatic works, you're, you're really cutting your opportunities uh, tremendously. So to be able to do all those different things was, was something that I learned early on and, and certainly uh, embraced and, and worked really, really hard at. I, I want to emphasize this for a moment because I, theater is, is a, such a unique environment. And I want to just, <laughs> so I was just in the Adams family. I played uncle Fester. If you've been on my social media, you certainly know that yeah, um, we, sure. we closed last night. And I, I want to say that we were, you know, we, we rehearsed for, I don't know, five weeks or something like that. And then we did seven or eight shows, incredibly talented crew. And I mean, incredibly talented. I thought I was a pretty decent actor. And then I showed up and I'm like, oh, I thought this was just like community theater. And oh, no, I mean, these it is community theater, but it's a whole new level. Now, you mentioned the triple threat piece. And I'm going to tell you from firsthand experience that that is a very hard thing to accomplish. I can hold my own when it comes to acting. I'm, I'm okay with the singing, but I've frustrated many a choreographer when it comes to the dancing piece, bud, because I cannot move to save my life. And it takes a lot of work on my part to be able to do that. It comes naturally to some people, and I'm just, I'm not one of those people. So when you, when you mentioned being able to be a triple threat, that's a pretty, uh, I don't want to say unique skill, but it's a, it's a skill that is very, very hard to master. And if you're going to be anybody that's going to, especially chasing Broadway, you have to do that. You absolutely have sure. to. Sure. I, I won't be able to cut it on Broadway, my man. I Maybe some vaudeville side stage somewhere I'll be able to pull it off, but uh, <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to see me doing much of a chorus line anywhere. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, I just want to I, I want to emphasize that because theater, again, is such a unique thing and it's so hard. It's very hard. And if it was easy, everybody do it. So, yeah, that's true. Um, true. So going through college at that point, did you have any idea of where you wanted to go after college? <laughs> well, this is yeah, this is funny. The, when 
we had my my chairman, the chairman of our department, and all the all the professors there. Their dreams were uh, for us was Broadway. That it they wanted us to go to Broadway. They wanted us to get out there and and perform and be on Broadway. Well, for me, I I didn't. I didn't. Th- think I did. I had never been to New York. I had never been seen a show on Broadway. I didn't really understand the magnitude of it, certainly. Um, and it, as funny as this sounds, when I when I was very young, at 12 years old, we went to Disney World. And small town, mind you, don't don't get out much, you know. So we're going to going to Florida and seeing Disney and, and seeing this just magical place and seeing all these singers and dancers and being up on stage and performing and kind of thing that I pointed my finger. I said, that's what I want to do. And it's funny because I, I ended up telling my, my, my chairman of my department, I said, I want to work because he, he, you know, they ask you, they sit down, they say, what are your dreams? What do you want to do? And I told him, I said, I really want to work at Disney. And he kind of dropped his pen and just said, well, what are you doing here? He goes, go work at Disney. And I, and I had auditioned for Disney and didn't, didn't get cast. And I certainly knew that I, I was going to have to do more or get better or whatever to, to work there. Well, never did, never got the dream to work there. Um, certainly other theme parks and different things in the past, but, um, but never got to do it. So initially that's what I thought making it was i really did i i thought if you're if you're out performing and you're getting to do what you love to do um you've made it so to speak and that's that's and that was really a dream for me i thought if i could do that someday um you know i would have made it i mean and literally that's how kind of ignorant or naive maybe i was about the whole performing industry and what you could do with it once you you know once you honed your skills so that's kind of where i went from went from What's interesting about that is, so think about that. If, if you're out there listening, so you have a dream, all right? And now you have a dream within the dream. Like you know exactly what you want to be able to do. And here you're in a position again where people are telling you, uh, I don't think that's what you should be doing. Right. Uh, again, very unique. I In my wrestling vertical, I had very specific things I was trying to do. And whether or not it was somebody else's you know, objective or priority, it didn't really matter to me. But there's always sure. people trying to tell you that you're going in the wrong direction. So how did you deal with that? What did, when they're telling you that Disneyland or Disney World shouldn't be your your goal, what's going through your mind at that point? It was a little crushing, you know, and and it was a little worrisome too because I thought, well, then what am I going to do with this? And I, I've had, you know, I had uh, I had an uncle who was. Uh, started the started a performance art department at the universe at the uh, chicago art institute and he was a dancer himself and he worked professionally for many many years and in speaking to him with it he him about it he just said well he kind of did the same thing he's like well, why do you want to do that and he and 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 he had much bigger dreams already he knew what you could do with this with this business and you could do with this career um, and certainly that wasn't something that was sought after too. So it was a little bit of, it was a little deflating, but I didn't know what else I was going to do. I, I didn't, I had no, and that's going to get to one of the main points of, of why I can continue to do this. You, 
I was told early on, and this is what I tell people that want to go into the acting profession or, or into performing, I was told, and and it just it rang, still has rung true with me, if you can be happy doing anything else, anything else, other than performing or acting, you have to do it. If you can't, then do it. But be prepared for a very... Um, sometimes stressful, sometimes exciting, sometimes, you know, a different type of, of, of life because you're, you're on the road. You, you know, some of the, the typical things that people want in life, like families and kids and a wife, um, it can be very, very difficult um, if as, a, as an entertainer, um, certainly. And, you, you know, you talk about Hollywood and, and going out there and doing that kind of thing. Yeah, I would have loved to have done that. I mean, I'm a ham at heart. I mean, give me a camera and a whole bunch of people or whatever, and I'll love it. But um, but I wasn't. I knew I wouldn't be happy doing anything else, or so I thought. And so I had to pursue it. That's why I worked hard at it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think as you as for me that getting told no always fueled me. It was like, okay, now I'm going to prove you wrong. When you, as you're finishing up college, how did you decide where the next angle was to go? That's the, that's the problem with this industry is you never know. You, you will do a bunch of auditions. You'll go to, uh, for me, the closest, occasionally uh, different companies would come through Madison, Wisconsin. They would come to Chicago. They'd come to Milwaukee. They'd sometimes Minneapolis or different places that that was drivable for me if my car wouldn't hold up. Uh, but you, you do the, you know, you do these auditions and you go there and suddenly you get cast and they say, Hey, we, we need you in this state. We need you across country uh, by next week. Can you go? And you have to pick up and move and make some very, very fast decisions. And for me, um, I, it didn't bother me at all. I felt like I was kind of a gypsy and just moving around. And my parents would always say, well, where are you going now? And I'd say, well, I'm headed out east. I'm headed to the west coast. I'm going to Miami. I'm going here. Um, so so for me, it, I never needed much warning. I never needed much stability in my life. I knew that I had kind of accepted the fact that this is the way it was going to be. And I always had a soft spot to fall at my parents' house. They, they were had their home in, in, in Wisconsin. And so if I had to go home and, and kind of regroup for a, a few weeks or a month or whatever and go back out on an audition tour, I could. Um, they were very, very supportive. They never never gave me a hard time or any guff about, um, it's like, don't, shouldn't you get a big boy job or shouldn't you do something else? Or you know, shouldn't you think about maybe a career? And I was like, yeah, this is it. So, so in, in the summers in, in college, I got the opportunity to work um, right, actually right out of high school in Wisconsin Dells uh, at a little theater called Molly's, and that was a great time. I mean, I worked with some amazing, talented uh, people there. And then during the summers, I, I actually worked, I got a job going on a cruise ship and working with Carnival Cruise Lines. <clears throat> I ended up going over to Germany for a summer and performing over there. Um, and, and then ended up moving to Nashville right out of college. So uh, with a job, so I always had something lined up, but you just never knew where you were going to go. And I was perfectly fine with that. When did you do Tommy Bartlett? What? When was I that? did. 
yeah, I actually worked at uh, at the Tommy Bartlett show, so I was the master of ceremonies for his show uh, for a summer. Well, explain for those who don't know, explain what that is, and and tell me. Yeah. I love this story so much. We have to add it in here. So, well, Tommy Bartlett is a it was a uh, um, he was a radio guy and. And he ended up launching. The, I, I don't know his entire history. You don't have to look him up yourself. But but he ended up. He had a show in Wisconsin Dells, which is this big water park capital of the world in in Wisconsin, southern Wisconsin. And he had a water ski show that was right on uh, Lake, uh, right on the lake, right Lake Delton, and it was amazing. It was an like an eight thousand eighty five hundred seat amphitheater where they had a 45 minute water ski show and they had all these different stage acts that would come on and it would overlook the water. It was absolutely beautiful. And so my part as I would, I would thread together the show and narrate the show for the first 45 minutes and introduce everything. And then I would introduce the acts in the second act, the second half of the show and, uh, and then bring on singers in the end and that kind of thing. And I actually got to sing there too, uh, which was a lot of fun, but it was a great time. I mean, it was really, really fun. I mean, I, I 17, 18, 19 years old, you know, it was, uh, and you're out there you know, pitching the show to, you know, 8,000 people on a summer night. It was, it was really fun, really, really fun show. What I love about that story is that think about 8,000 people here. You are on a stage with a microphone in the summer on a lake in front of 8,000 people. And yeah, if you do not know how to do any kind of improvisation, that's going to dump you right into that. Well, my friend, I mean, it's, that had to have been exciting. I mean, I can't imagine 8,000 people and just you leading it off as masters. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Well, I'll tell you what I, and I only got to do it a couple of times, either two or three times a week. And the, the main fellow that did it, uh, his name was Jim Lund and Jim is a legend. He was there forever and he is, um, he is truly a master of that show and to work alongside him or, or, and watch him. And I really learned from him. I mean, he, he had so many different fills and improvisational <clears throat> items that he would speak of and speak to if the skiers would go down and he'd have to vamp while they reset and that kind of thing. He was the master at it. And I, I give full credit to him. Anything that I learned and what I was able to pick up was, was from him. He was great. And I used to love to watch the show. Even on my days off, I'd go and watch it. It was so much fun. And, and Jim was so good at it. So that was really great. And it's such an incredible lesson for anybody listening mm -hmm. is, is it as you are chasing your dream, make sure you take time to study the masters, take time to learn from other people in that craft that have been doing it for a while that know what they're doing and borrow pieces from them and add it to your arsenal. That's such an easy way to learn and sometimes it gets missed because we get so busy we don't take time to slow down and learn yeah no it's true and and along the way there were there were people that that i performed with that i would want whether they were fantastic dancers or singers or different things and and gosh just watching them was was so beautiful to see how how absolutely amazingly talented they were and you know, and that was a part of the Nashville story. I worked, I, I moved right from college and uh, moved to Nashville and had a, had a contract down there for the summer working at Opryland at the, at the theme park, which is now gone. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So yeah. you, at the time you're living in Wisconsin, right? Before moving mm -hmm. to Nashville yep. um, and you auditioned for, 
you auditioned for Opryland. Um, finishing up your finals, if I remember. So you finished your finals and then had to go to. You know what? Let me let me just turn the mic over to you. You tell that story because it's such a when we when we're talking about being a grinder, going out and really making uh, chasing your dream and, and grinding it out. Yeah, this is a piece of that story that we can't miss. Well, this was a fun one because we we auditioned. I auditioned for this for this company probably I think it was maybe in January or something or or maybe even December for the summer season. And they auditioned everybody down in in Madison. I believe it was at the university in Madison. And so a whole bunch of us from Stevens Point drove down to Madison for the day to go do this audition tour, do these auditions. And so I sang. They they kept kept me for the the, the dance call. And at this point I could I was better than most male singers, I guess, um, dancing wise. So I could hold my own and, and, and dance pretty well. Or so I thought, (laughs) um, but then they kept me after the dance call and there were not many, but they kept some of us and they put me through the ringer, um, singing all these different songs. So they, they started throwing all these different songs and say, Hey, do you know this song? Do you know this song? Do you know this song? And I said, sure. So they were giving me like these old 50s, 60s crooner songs, Elvis songs. I mean, and, and I, I grew up knowing all of that stuff with my folks. And, and so I, I did that. So I, I must've sung 10 songs. I mean, <laughs> you know, or a verse or two and a chorus of all these songs. And they just sat there just, you know, kind of like, it was they were almost like they were trying to stump me or something and so it was really really fun and almost immediately they said this is what this is the show we want you for and i was just elated i thought this is fantastic so no one else from my school unfortunately um it would have been fun to have another comrade down there but no one else got cast and so i was the only one in our group that, that got cast <clears throat> so i go down there and uh, and i move yeah the, the story of the transition was crazy and let's just say that it i had finished my finals i had to move out of my apartment i started rehearsal the next morning and i'm 12 hours away so i had to with a car that i couldn't put more than half a tank of gas in it because the gas tank leaked so if i put more than half a tank it would like 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 leak out so so i had to i drove home with whatever i didn't want dropped it at my parents house reloaded with my clothes and i moved to nashville I thought I had a place to stay. Uh, turned out that didn't work out. But I got down there, um, this very, very long drive. And uh, and I had been up for like 36 hours at this point. And I slept in the car for about half an hour before I was supposed to go in for this rehearsal. Well, I was unshaven. I, I know there's days I've smelled better. And I get in there. I had to meet my castmates now for the that I'm going to spend this time with and all the directors and everybody. And uh, yeah, it was a trip, and 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 we got to I got to meet all these people I was going to be performing with, and we started singing that day. They started playing through the show, and I just sat there listening to all these amazing singers, and I thought I'm in the wrong spot. I I still maintain that I really must have done something special at that audition because I I truly don't think I belong there because these. The, the level of talent was far, far beyond what I could have was capable of doing. So I don't know. I fooled him somehow. That's a, a, a piece that 
I don't think that you and I have talked about very much. I think that I want everybody just to just to take a step back and think about this. So you've been up for 36 hours. So that's yeah. tired and then some. I mean, that's that's beyond exhausted. Your adrenaline is running at an extremely high rate because here you are in a in, in the land of giants, so to speak, with all these wildly talented people that maybe um, you're intimidated by. Was is that safe to say? There's a little bit of intimidation involved. Or? Oh, absolutely. And there were there were people. I was at the time I was 22, or I was turning 22, I believe. And there were kids. I'll say kids. They were 17, 18. They were just graduating high school. Some of them still in high school. Some in college that could dance circles around me, worlds around me. They were just so phenomenal and singers. I couldn't believe it. I'm listening to them and, and we were going around and people were singing different verses and singing different parts of these songs kind of as a, let's hear your voice and see what you're like kind of thing. And I had been drinking coffee all night long to try and stay awake. And I'm, I'm my voice is so gruff. I'm, <laughs> It was terrible. And I'm listening to everybody else and I just thought, okay, well, this is gonna be this is gonna be rough. I mean, I hope they keep me. So um but yeah, it was absolutely intimidating. It and I, I don't intimidate easy at auditions. I never did. Because I knew what I knew what I could do, I knew what my strengths were. Um, but to be thrown into this um this group of people, I was I I felt very blessed very quickly. To, to be part of it you almost have to lean on your talent a little bit to be able to get through something like that and it yeah. sounds like that's what you would typically do is you already knew how talented you were and um so that's why you, you probably didn't get intimidated before but i just think you know when, whenever you're getting ready for any kind of performance it's always like get plenty of rest make sure there's fuel in your stomach drink oh, plenty sure. of water right before you go out try to avoid caffeine because it will dehydrate you and you're literally doing the opposite of every one of those key elements and um and still going out there and just and just crushing it so that talent let's talk about i'm just going to take a pause on nashville i recently heard uh a music instructor tell this whole group of people that they didn't believe in talent. Now, what they did say was, is that talent is um, essentially smoke and mirrors. There's no such thing as talent. There's only people that come well-prepared. I tend to disagree with that. And I want to know what your, what your viewpoint is on this. What do you think talent is a real thing? Or do you think it's something that um, needs to be prepared for? I think talent is a real thing. I think there's people born with God-given talents and they're born with with there's things that that they certainly can do that others cannot. That's all there is to it. I am not a tenor. I'm not a high tenor singing voice. Um, I wish that I could be. I wish that I was because there's so much I you know I Steve Perry, you know, lost his job as the lead singer of uh of journey and that would have been the i would have loved to step in and, and take it but um, i absolutely could not sing that way or have a high tenor voice but but to answer your question i think yeah there's absolutely talent there's absolutely god-given talents that people have i think confidence is attractive i think confidence is a talent and that's certainly something that um you can you can convey to an audience you can convey that um 
that's a that's a talent in and of its own. And so to say that there is no talent, just people that do the lines better than others or something or preparedness. Sure, you've got to be prepared, but you know, I may know my lines backward and forwards, but I'm not going to be able to deliver it as well as as another guy that might just have a natural ability to be able to sing that line better, to be able to perform that line better, to be able to dance better than I can. Yeah. Um, there's certain people that are more flexible. Um, they have their their bodies are just built for dance better than others. So their bodies are more flexible. They're more graceful. Where sure you can rehearse and you can practice and you can learn how to do it. Some you just sometimes you just you just don't have that. You don't have that God given talent or ability. Right. And I don't want to gloss over the idea of of being prepared isn't what you need to do. You absolutely need to. When I when I got ready for my TED Talk, Matt, I prepared like no other. I mean months and months and months of preparation. If you if you have a talent for something and you couple that with preparing appropriately, then you've got some magic. Mm-hmm. But you can't just prepare for something thinking that it's all going to turn out okay if you don't have right. the knack for it. Right. I, I I could prepare to be a ballerina all day, Matt, all day, every day for the next three years, and you will never see me be able to pull off some of the stuff that, that those talented dancers can do, ever. I just, I just can't. I don't have the talent for it. Sure. Sure. It's true. All right. So I digress. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to just talk about talent for a minute because it's been, it's been on my mind. Um, yeah. So back- I remember you seeing that. So that was, that, was, that was interesting, and I've thought about that since we – since you mentioned that once before. So, yeah. yeah. So back to Nashville, I, I want to just also say that how incredible it is. So think about what you had done at this point. You were living in Wisconsin. You were, you were getting some gigs, doing some, um, some acting, and I'm not underplaying that a bit, some really important roles, some, some ways to learn along the way. You went to Germany, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just a total sidebar. What, what was that for? How long were you in Germany? Just for the summer, it was actually performing at a, um, we had a, a American music review that we did at this festival called the Karl May Festspiele in Elspa, Germany. And it was a very unique situation. It was with a company out of, out of, out of Columbus, Ohio, but they, they sent us over there to do this 15 minute music review, uh, American music review in preparation for kind of the, 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 the beginning act for this very large scale show that they did uh, in an amphitheater of, of uh, with horses and, and covered wagons. And they had 40 horses in the show. It was this, it was this huge amphitheater. Um, you'd, have, you'd have to look it up to really understand it. But we, we had nothing to do with that horse show. We just were in a separate tent and kind of give people a little bit of entertainment before they would go, everyone would go in to see this main show um, at this little festival, and so we did that all summer long, and it was great. And we, we lived in in the Sauerland, kind of up in northeast Germany, and um, it was fantastic. It was a great opportunity just to be immersed in the culture and and be able to perform. and And our gig was really really easy. Um, we only did two shows a day, and they were each fifteen minutes long. <laughs> we, go home, you know? So, uh, 
So no, it was good, but it was a great opportunity. We, I was only there for the summer, then came back to school. Getting to see the world on somebody else's dime is a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah. I, I can imagine, because being able to travel in my wrestling days and stuff like that, whenever something important would come along that I, that I was traveling to, and uh, I guess I'm asking you this question, I'd always be like, yeah, man. Like I'd be in flight going somewhere thinking, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm the yeah. man, right? So there, oh, yeah. there's a little bit of that um, chest pounding, right? That that's involved with being able to do something like that. Absolutely. I mean, you said it on someone else's dime and being able to travel, and that's where if someone would call me up or write audition and they say, "Hey, can you go to New York next week? Can you be in Miami next week? I need you in LA next week." It's like, "Yep, let's go. Let's <laughs> do it. Send me the ticket. I'm, I'll go." So yep. it was always that was that's what's really fun and exciting about this career. So traveling is one thing, but I want to just, again, talk about relocating. That's a totally separate thing. You moved from Wisconsin to Nashville to chase your dream. You left everything behind, mm -hmm. and that takes a serious amount of courage to be able to, to, to do something like that. So I want to just emphasize that for just a minute. As you're, do, as you're deciding to make that move, you're going you're gonna to go and do the Opryland gig, Long term, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I didn't think that far out in the future. That was maybe a blessing and a curse because I didn't, I, I never knew what I was going to do next. I, I, and I was never worried about it. I like to work. I was good with my hands. My dad was a contractor. I've learned, you know, building skills. I, 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 I knew the benefit of hard work and, and being able to help people do anything at any time. And so I didn't, I was never worried about making money. I was never worried about having enough to survive on or find a place to lay my head every night. I, but I never thought in the future, it was, I was really living in the moment and just sure. enjoying what came along. And I think being open to that and being open to possibilities and open to, to the, the possibility of, of going to a new state, a new country next week, um, I think it organically just flowed to me. I I was able to pick up jobs and, and pick up new gigs and new performing opportunities, and, and I would just move. I just kept moving around. So I never knew more than maybe six months to a year out what I was going to be doing. And I knew that they would, they would come to, a, uh, there would come a time where I would be done with a contract and they would say, all right, you're done. Thanks. Go home. And I never, I didn't, didn't know what I was going to do next. So sure, that's, there's, there's fear in that and there's anxiety in it. But again, I don't know why. It just never bothered me. Um, and how long did you do the gig in Nashville? Well, that was only about six months, six, okay. eight months. Because I did a, the summer, the summer, and then I stayed on through the fall until the park closed in the, in the fall. Uh, so it closed right after Halloween, actually. So I guess six months, seven months, something like that. Yeah. And at this point, what were you learning along the way that maybe you, you weren't liking about this whole idea of chasing your dream? What, what within the industry wasn't your thing? Well, it was still... Um, at this point, I think I was a little... I was a little worried and and i'll take that back now i was i was a little worried maybe um coming out of nashville because there were so the, the talent pool was there was so deep and it would there were so many amazing talented people there 
that um, I thought, geez, I'm kind of, I was done formally um, learning my craft, you know, as far as college goes. But um, I, I knew that I was going to have to keep dancing as much as possible and keep singing every day, you know, keep up my acting chops and taking classes and learning from other people. So, um, you know, at, at, at this point, I think there was a little bit of, of hesitation in where I go next or what, if, even, even in 1990, whatever that was. Uh, so I think there was, there was some of that too, just being a little nervous about, am I good enough to do this? But obviously you were, because was the next, did you go to Japan at some point? I did. I, and that was out of, that was out of, uh, that was actually out of a Nashville uh, connection. There was a a fellow I had worked with. We had done a new year's gig over in Denmark, which was, that was one of those things. They flying us over there to do a new year's gig. And that was amazing. And then picked him he was a, a fellow i knew in nashville and this other fella and, and they said hey there's a there's a gig in japan dancing it up it was a dance a male dancer position in japan and i was like mm, didn't know but they said well it's for 40 days and i thought oh well i can handle anything for 40 days <laughs> and uh they flew us over there we were in business class and it was a dream come true for me to ride in the upper deck of the 747 and that was pretty awesome but um but yeah i didn't didn't like the gig gig wasn't good it was a it was a, uh not to get too much into it but it it wasn't good the, the production quality was terrible and the fella i was actually over there with uh, at the time the other american guy he ended up leaving because he he just couldn't hack it he just didn't want to be there and it was miserable and but anyway handled it 40 days came home got paid move on there were some bad gigs well, let's talk about that for just a second. Now, that's always going to happen whenever you're chasing yeah. any vertical, no matter what. Even even if you go to college for your, you know, whatever a regular job looks like, but if you go to college for a, a, a regular job and you go out into the business world or wherever it is you end up, even if you don't go into the business world, to be honest with you, you're always going to work for somebody that um, maybe you don't like, or maybe you're going to work with other people that, that don't fit the situation very well. Did you ever have to work with any kind of director or anything like that, that, um, that maybe pushed you in the wrong direction? Sure. Yeah. There were some that really embraced your, your, your talent pool, your talent set and, and your strengths. And there were some that, um, there were some directors I worked with where you were just stage dressing you were just they didn't they had their their favorites and their stars that they they really catered to and then everybody else was just background and they didn't really care and um and that's fine i you know i always i always knew my role if i wasn't the leading player if i wasn't the leading character or whatever um hey i that's fine with me i'm i i, I love supporting roles i love chorus roles i'm i lord knows i did enough of those um and so that's okay. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, sure. There were directors that I, that I certainly never wanted to work with again. Um, and theaters that I never wanted to work in again, um, that I just felt there, they were, there was, a, there were a couple that I, and I won't mention them for the sake of that, but there were a few that they really thought they were something else. They thought they were Broadway. They thought they were, um, 
you know, the first national tour of a show and they just, they just weren't good. I mean, there, there were some good people there, but the production values and the direction and the, the whole, the whole production of it was just not good. And so I knew I was like, okay, well, been there, done that. Thank you. Move on. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I talk a little bit this about this in my book, it's when you think of a director, if you think of a boss in your job, whatever it is, what the, one of the most important things you can do whenever you work for somebody or with somebody that you don't see eye to eye with, that you don't get along with, that maybe um, you never want to speak to again, try to live in the moment as much as you can and learn from that situation. You should be learning from negative experiences as, as much as you learn from positive experiences. In fact, I would argue that net negative experiences almost show you what not to do. They give you really good real, real life examples of how not to treat people, how not to act, how, you know, so you're right. You're right. And it also taught me what I, what I didn't want to do. And that brings up a good point. I doing a, there's so many people that go to Broadway and they go to on these national tours where they'll do the same show over and over and over, you know, what, 10 nights a week, 11 nights a week, or excuse me, 11 shows a week. Um, and for me, I knew very quickly and thankfully that that was not my gig. I did not like doing a show over and over and over. And the thing that I enjoyed the most about performing was the creativity. It's about putting it together. It's about the collaboration. It's about getting together and working toward a common goal. And that's where I got into, uh, I auditioned and got into a great theater in Warsaw, Indiana called the Wagon Wheel Theater. It's a summer, and it was a summer stock company. And we did seven shows in a summer. So you're rehearsing a show for 10 to 11 days, and then you're launching it that that in two weeks and so you're performing one show or, or rehearsing a show during the day and then performing a different show at night so you and you do that the entire summer and it's intense but i tell you what it is one of the most rewarding wonderful experiences i've ever had and i've, I've gone back there and done quite a few shows with them and it's just an amazing theater to work for but that was that's what really I loved about it is the creativity and it's everyone coming together and and they had a lot of there were no egos there I mean they're oh you once in a while you'd have someone thought they were really you know hot stuff but but it was it was so refreshing just to go in there and 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 the, t the talent was amazing as well and just to be able to do that so that's what I really loved about um, uh, about theater the most and and you're, if you don't like the show, you only do it 10 times or 11 times and you're done. That's it. And you move on to something else. And that's what I loved about it. So you wouldn't be one of these people that has to do the same show for a year, for 18 no. months. Yeah. No. I and I did it. I did a few like that where I, you know, three or four months at a time where you're doing the same show and every single night and matinees, never again. Yeah. Couldn't do it. I, I, remember. I hated it. Actually, I'm the, not just to say I don't wouldn't do it. I hated it. I was like, this is awful this is boring and i tried to make it fresh and yeah yada 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 sure i tried to make it new every single time and find something new and find someone to connect with on stage and blah 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 but i hated it yeah i was like move on so you and i talked about that a little bit before i started rehearsing for the adams family and move. i've always been the type it's like when i played sports or anything like that i hated practicing i was just like turn the lights on let me get out there and do my thing 
and the, the stage is no no different. Pro wrestling was the exact same way. I hated going to wrestling training because I just I'm a showman. Like let me go be a showman. That's where I sure. that's where I excel. Sure. So your thought process behind it was <clears throat> enjoy the creative process. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the ride. Because yep. as soon as you get to the dance, it, the dance goes really, really quickly. And I thought about that through the entire rehearsal process was, okay, sometimes this can be frustrating, but enjoy the ride. Enjoy the creative process. Because mm-hmm. this is really one of the biggest platforms to be able to learn not just about your craft, but about yourself and who you are and how you can excel in those in those situations. So mm-hmm. um, thank you for that, because I wouldn't have slowed down enough to learn during that process and that was all because of you so that's great advice yeah and that's that's and that's where and and not to jump to where we are now but when i hung up my proverbial tap shoes i i had to figure out what i was going to do when i grew up so to speak and and i had to find something where i could scratch that creative itch and i'm i'm still looking you know there's there's nothing quite like live theater there isn't but um, but oh, I, I get to I get to scratch that itch in other ways, I guess. Sure. And uh, we are going to touch on that. But before we do, Nashville is in the rearview mirror, and now we are on to cruise ships. Walk me through the cruise ship scenario. How long did that go? How how did you get the gig? Oh well, this was great. So I worked with Royal Caribbean for many years, and I think I did seven ships with them. And it, you know, this is this is a for those who don't know how that work works or worked back in the day is we generally would do two different shows you would do like a rock music type review show they and, a, and then a broadway style music review um each of the shows were 45 minutes usually and you would do them twice you would do them um, like the broadway show you do twice a night one day a week and then another day a week you would do the rock show so basically you're performing like two nights a week and we talk about the keeping it fresh thing and never getting bored. Well, we only did that show two times once a week. And so it was fantastic. It was always fresh. It was always new. And people, you know, a lot of people really just kind of crapped on cruise ship work and, and saying, oh, it's so stupid. It's not real theater. It's not this. It's not that. Well, I'll tell you what, for me, it was a blast because you're working with amazing talent. It's high octane shows. They had huge budgets. It was beautiful. The, the work was good. The work was good. The talent was good. The shows were great. And that's what was so addictive to it. And not only that, but you have no bills. You, you, you live out there for free. They, you know, all the food and is your food and lodging is free. You're traveling all over the, you know, I've got to go through Europe and Scandinavia and South of, you know, the Greek Isles and, and then the East coast, West coast, every Caribbean Island you could think of. And, and so um, I tell you, it was, it was a, it was wonderful. I loved it. Give me like one, one story of your favorite thing that happened while on while doing shows on cruise ships. Favorite story? Oh, I I worked on a, a I worked on a, a, a ship called the Grandeur, and the Grandeur had these two new shows that they had just launched, and I was going to be the replacement cast, the second cast, and I got to come on. Um, I happened to be down in Miami doing some other auditions. We, the port was, and there was a corporate event. The ship was in port that day. I'll say it was a Saturday. The ship was in port and there was a corporate event going on where they were bringing on all these big wigs and they were performing one of the shows for the, for the corporate event. And I knew some people 
that were in the cast. And they said, well, would you want to come on and come see the show? And I was already cast in the show, so I'm not going to be going there and joining the ship for another couple months. But I said, yeah. So I got to go on and watch this show. And I sat in this theater in this new, brand new ship, and it was absolutely gorgeous. And this theater was beautiful. The ship was beautiful. And I watched that show. And I watched this cast with some of my friends. I knew some people in there. But knowing that I was about to do get to do that show for six or seven months, and I just cried. I, I watched this, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to be part of this. And it's still, I mean, rehearsing from the first day I met the cast and being able to rehearse that show and being able to perform that show, I couldn't believe that I got to do that. It was, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Absolutely fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, ship, ship work is is great. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah. You always talked yeah. really highly of it, and it, it just always intrigued me that here you are. You're essentially... I don't want to say that you're on vacation you're because it's it's certainly a lot of work but um i mean come on man right i mean you do a lot of prep work obviously you you, you train your whole life you you know you you had to stay in amazing shape and i was in great shape at the time because i would basically work out two three hours a day um and there were three four nights a week i didn't do anything i i didn't drink back then i didn't uh um because i had to preserve my voice and um, so I didn't overeat. I didn't indulge in much anything. I, you know, you'd go out and play volleyball and you'd play basketball for a while and go lift weights and then do this and do that and go to the beach or whatever. I mean, it was, you're on vacation basically yeah. for months. Yeah. Traveling the world again on somebody else's dime room and board yeah. paid for, plus you get a paycheck and, uh, maybe a nice tan while you're at it, huh? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, it, was <laughs> it was nice work if you can get it. It was a good gig. Yeah. It was a good gig. Yeah. So I'm going to fast forward just a little bit now. So let's talk about when did you know that you were on the backside of your acting career? I went back to the wagon wheel. Um, I was done with ships. I had, um, I had just left a ship in 2000. It was the largest ship in the world, um, the Voyager of the Seas. And I worked in the, in the, I was the, the master ceremonies for the ice show. They had an ice rink on board. If you've never been on those, they it's pretty amazing. So anyway, great show, great cast, great fun. Um, left that. I still had another contract to fulfill down in Indiana. I already had that set up to go back to this this to the wagon wheel. Well, the quick story is I got home having not had been home to my parents' house in about a year. I got home and saw a, a postcard from a gal that I had studied in London with. Um, she was went to Stevens Point. She was from Minneapolis, uh, went to Stevens Point with me. I had never met her until we went on this trip together in London and uh, and saw this postcard. Well, I was just, I I loved her. I fell in love with her in London. I, and and But we had a, she had a boyfriend. I had a girlfriend at the time. And, um, and I always knew something just absolutely special about her. Well, this postcard had gotten to my parents' house the day before I got home after this long contract. So the, the timing was just serendipitous that all of a sudden it was it appeared. And it was right at the top of my mail pile that my parents would pile up for me. So I called her and um, she said, hey, I'm in Minneapolis and, and whatever, what are you doing? And and long story short, I said, can I come visit? And she said, sure. So I that weekend I drove over having not seen her for eight years, nine years. 
drove over to come see her and uh and it was like no time had passed and she opened the door and i couldn't believe it i saw her and i was just like uh oh and then i knew i knew that something had drastically changed right then and there well we had a wonderful weekend spent all this time um and and boy if there was a fire before it rekindled pretty fast and it was amazing to see her and and, and i just knew that that this was this is going to change my life right here and now but i still had this contract to do down in indiana right so i go down there and i do i think what i did four of the fire or five of the six shows or something the last show that i did i was cast in in a show called the rainmaker and i played this character named starbuck who is is a uh, he's a con man basically he tries to con people out of out of their money and by telling them it's going to rain and all this kind of stuff well i was in really good shape at the time everybody on the in the cast is dressed in drab dark dark dusty clothing and here i come in with leather pants this dark red shirt, a leather vest, this leather or this this cowboy hat. And it was the most ego boosting, feel good, meaty line. I mean, great monologues, great show. The cast was so good. And I acted opposite this gal that was just phenomenal. And I couldn't have asked for a better role. I couldn't have asked for just a more meaty role and, and something that was so fulfilling and so wonderful. And yet at the end of the show, every night when I was done, I was just like, that's when I knew I couldn't have asked for a better role, but I thought, this is it. This is it. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And that was the last show I ever did. And I ended up moving to Minneapolis right after that, that contract. And uh, my wife and I are were married less than a year later. Love will take you in 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 crazy places sometimes. So you put the you you put the acting bug behind you. But keep in mind that's not a bug that goes away. That's something that you have forever. So as you are in your life now, talk to me a, a little bit, especially you know in the first couple of years after leaving the theater, having done it for so long. What's your mindset like? How are you making that shift appropriately? How are you how are you coping with um with trying to treat the acting bug, so to speak? Yeah. Well, that's where I had to figure out something else that was going to make me happy, right? And I I did all kinds of different things. I was substitute teaching, I was personal training, um I was doing contracting work. I ended up finding a couple jobs in sales, selling selling windows. Um I had, I had to figure out what I was going to do when I grew up now. And, and really to make a living at it. And, you know, if, when you decide you're finally going to pick up a career, you know, once you're in your thirties, I mean, that's, <laughs> it was, it was a change. It was definitely a change. And so I, I did what I had to do. I knew, I knew now that my life was going to be different and, and marrying my wife and was the best thing that I, that ever happened to me. And, 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 changing that life path was the best thing I ever did. Um, do I miss performing? Sure. I mean, sure. There's, there's, you never, you can't take the stage off of me. I mean, I, I still want to, I, I always, you know, give me the stage. I'll fill it. You know, I, I still want to perform. Um, 
but the desire to to do that to do that go on the road and that kind of thing is just is gone for me um so but 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 i found ways to be creative and to scratch that creative itch and that's where you have to find you have to find that platform that gives you that joy and i think for people that are in the entertainment field like you and you know actors or dancers or singers i think that never leaves you but i think there's so many ways that you can still fulfill that that desire and fulfill that void with uh with creativity and that's what i've found even with the current job that i have now i had a i'll just tell you a side note i lost um two weeks ago one of my mentors from college um he was my musical theater professor he passed away i'm sorry yeah and he was his name was james and he was absolutely one of the most talented incredible people i've ever met and absolutely loved this guy and he he just said uh he had he had two things he always used to say he said if you rest you rot he he just said just always be working always be out there doing something and and the other thing was um be happy not satisfied and so those are the two mantras that i've kind of carried through my life that that i always am moving toward the next thing i'm always i'm happy i'm i'm happy doing what i'm doing but i'm not satisfied and so i want to uh, i'm going to move on and and you know someday i hope and and to the next chapter and whatever that will be and there's still the part of me that is not afraid of that so when the time comes and and maybe if i move on to another another chapter in my life then i will that's beautiful today let's talk about today how what are you doing i mean everybody's you know let's be real you leave an entertainment field and you get you end up getting a day job aside from any kind of day job what are you doing to continue to not rest so that you don't rot what are you what are you doing to fill that creative void today well for me mike it's it my my brain never shuts off it's a curse i mean i'm i'm i guess they would have diagnosed me of with add or adhd i'm i'm certain um and so my brain never shuts off even on vacation it's very very hard for me to relax i'm always thinking of new things and thinking of creativity and thinking of things to build and so um so I'm, I'm always looking to the future. I'm always looking at ways to improve myself and my, my, my situation and my family and, and how I can make things better for us, but also how I can be fulfilled. And it's not always easy, but I'm, it, it's hard to shut. I can't shut it off. I, I just can't. I, I dream about things. I, I wake up and my mind starts going. And, and, uh, and you know, when we work together, I mean, I'm up at, five five thirty in the morning i'm working by quarter to six or you know five thirty and and doing reports and stuff because i just it's i i have to get it out i have to just start working right away so so to answer your question i i I don't know i don't know what i do i just i just keep i keep uh keep my head down i focus uh on the things that i can control and and one of the things is just building a new chapter in my life. And, and I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm, I'm certainly open to it. That's, that's where I'm, I'm, I want to be open to new possibilities and new opportunities and, uh, and, um, and never shut that down and, and feel like you're settling or, or satisfied. Um, I'm happy, just not satisfied. 
so I can be convinced to to do anything, I guess, in the future. But now it has to involve my wife and my family, and um, I've got a son and a daughter that are adult children now, but they are um, they're everything to me, and I wouldn't I wouldn't you know give that up. So now it just the parameters change, right? But um, but yeah, and I know you still got some drumming ideas like physically drumming a, a drum kit ideas uh, running around I, in your mind a little bit, right? I do. I do. I've got some big dreams there and, uh, you know, I'm trying to put some things together and I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but, um, but no, it'll be fun. So stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> Any advice for anybody who is, is currently trying to pivot, tried living their dream, tried, tried anything. Maybe they, maybe they just got laid off from a job and they need some advice on how to, how to continue on down the road of, of success. So what advice do you have for somebody that's in, in pivot mode right now? Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, if you're, if you're in a transition, you don't know what you're going to do yet. You don't know what you're going to do. Um, you can I think the, the, the biggest asset you have is your ability to go out there and connect with people. Um, you know, being an entertainer, being someone that, that is gregarious and out there and extroverted and, and being able to, to be the life of the party and to be bigger than life. I think that's your, that's your talent. That's your gift to be able to connect with people and find out what's out there. Um, hit your wagon to good people, hit your wagon to people that are going to help you that are, that are, and certainly not going to bring you down or, or talk you down to say, no, you can't do this anymore. You can do anything you want to do. You, like I said, I, and I said a third time, hit your wagon to good people. Find those people that are going to uphold what you're doing, that they're going to help you with your process, that are going to dream with you, that are going to, um, I would meet with every single person you can, not necessarily for a job interview, but just to talk to them and say, hey, this is what I've done in the past. Um, this is what I'm maybe looking for. Have you is, do you know of anything? Do you know of anybody that I might be able to talk to and continue that chain on where you never know the person all of a sudden you get connected with someone that says, Hey, you know what? I never thought of this, but you'd be perfect for this. And suddenly it turns out to be an absolute dream job um, and, a, and a, a career. And maybe it's lucrative, maybe it's fulfilling, but you, I think it's those connections that you can make that, um, that are the, that are the most important in life. Oh, that's great. That really is. I love that. I, I think about like a creative entourage. That's what I call. That's what I call that group of people. Is your creative entourage people that you can trust to give yep. you um, great advice and um, blunt and honest feedback. Because mm -hmm. not everybody can do that either. So no, that's true. That's true. And and you have to have those those people in your life that 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 you can trust. That you know certainly you've got your core, your entourage, right? Um, and grow that grow that circle i know people do it with linkedin and they'll go out there and they'll throw spaghetti at the wall and you know say hey i'm looking for such and such a job that's great and all but they don't know who you are they right. don't know what's in here they don't know what you're thinking and what your dreams are so i mean i think the more people you can get in front of and speak to and really share your ideas and your dreams that's that's how it's done it's about people it's not about paper and resumes yeah i agree yeah matt we did it we made it all the way. We made it all the way to the end. And I just, I, I also want to say this has been a beautiful tribute to your mentor, James. Um, ah. I, I'm going to title this video. If you rest, you rot because it's, it's, it, it's, it's so appropriate and, um, well done, my friend. Thank uh, you. Thank you for being here. 
Well, this is my pleasure. And this is a fun trip down memory lane for me too. A lot of this stuff I haven't thought about in many years. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just hope that we can connect and work together again soon. I hope we can too. Oh. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, my friend. Great to see you, Mike. Great to see you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Oh, thank you, Matt, again for indulging me on this uh, this adventure of mine on these podcast episodes. It was such a pleasure to have you as a guest. You know, the part that we didn't talk about was that Matt and I tried to record this this podcast episode once before. I, w- I went in person to his home early on a Sunday morning uh, several weeks back, got to his home, got all set up. We were going to do the interview in person, and my SD cards weren't working, and he had an SD card, and that one wasn't working. And then I went to a, a local drugstore to pick up a, a brand new one, and that wasn't working. It was just every episode that I've had so far has some weird technical difficulty that's happened along the way and and i suppose that's helping me with my learning curve as well but um but yeah we, we've tried to do this interview a couple of times and we finally found a time that fit and it went off without a hitch so again matt you're the man i appreciate you doing it for me thank you very much if you haven't already head out to the social medias uh, most of them at this point um the instagram facebook tiktok youtube uh, I don't even know anymore. Lots, lots and lots of, lots of social media. All of them can be found, um, at a wrestler's guide. So go follow me out on there. There's a lot of stuff happening in the next, uh, several months, to be honest with you, there's a lot of stuff about to happen and that I haven't announced yet. So follow me on the social medias and you will be up to date on pretty much everything. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. And once you do, please leave a five-star review. That'll really help me with my rankings within the podcast elements as well. And I would really, really appreciate that. And one last thing before I turn you loose for the day, I just want to thank you, my listeners and my fans for, for tagging along with me and supporting me and just, and being there with me. It doesn't go unnoticed. I can't do it without you. And I do it all for you. And yeah, let's let's keep doing it. Again, I, I appreciate all the support. This has been so much fun to do this interview with Matt today. Um, be on the lookout for my next episode coming out, uh, which has already been it's already been shot, ladies and gentlemen. It's already in the can, as they say, uh, and ready to launch. So I have some really really cool interviews coming up on this podcast. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy uh, enjoy your summer, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>